Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. We got it? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Therefore, if anyone, anyone, anyone means anyone, anyone, male, female, whatever caste, whatever class, anyone, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's not something that is going to happen. He is a new creation today, right now. If you are in Jesus, good news, I want to tell you. If you are in Jesus, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. The word new creation from the, from the Greek explains in a way that it's like a new species that was never there before, that didn't exist before. New species. You are a new species. Mm. You are not just mere humans. You are not earthlings. You are a new species. Whoever is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are new. You are new. Just by receiving Jesus, you became new. And then it says, old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. But pastor, I don't feel that way. You don't have to feel it. Just believe it. Believe it. All things have passed away. Now, here's the thing. If I tell you, you got a new kidneys, what would you do? Can you be like, I don't have new kidneys. You need to do an appropriate test, right? Probably there's a machine, which I don't know what machine is it. Is it, is it x-ray, ultrasound? I don't know. Whatever machine. You do an appropriate test, Use the machine to check if you got new kidneys or not. With what's happening spiritually, there is no technology out there that can tell you. This is the technology. Okay? This is the only technology that tells you what God has done in your spirit. So you don't if you say, I don't feel it, it's okay. You don't have to feel it. What does the technology say? What does your report say? Your report says, if you are in Jesus, you are a new creation. Regardless of what you feel, regardless of how, you, how your day began, regardless of how your behavior has been, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That's what your report says. Your spiritual report says you are a new creation. See, if you did a blood report and everything came positive when you were hoping for something to turn negative, but everything came positive, everything says, your reports are great, how will you rejoice? You'll be glad, right? You'll be relieved. Your spiritual report says you're a new creation. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. Everything has become new. Everything has become new. Now, here's the thing. What the devil will try to do is to disqualify you from this truth. 
no, 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 no. You're not a new creation. Look what you were thinking about yesterday. You were thinking about all the reasons why you should not go to church. How are you a new creation? He will bring everything to disqualify you from you to accept that spiritual report. From, from you to accept the spiritual truth. Am I making sense? See, God has recreated you supernaturally. You are a supernatural being. Is that true? You are supernaturally positioned and you are supernaturally blessed. What's the first one? Supernaturally recreated, supernaturally positioned, supernaturally blessed. So God has put you in the blessing zone. The blessing zone is a huge zone. God has put you there. You did not do anything. You did not walk up to the blessing zone. God took you from the cursed zone, put you in the blessing zone. You, we do not do this by ourselves. Who did it? God did it. Now, the devil cannot, cannot push you or pull you out from the blessing zone. He can't do anything. He can't touch you. But what he can do, do to you is deceive you into disqualifying yourself from the blessing zone. So every time you feel disqualified from the blessing zone, you yourself get out of the blessing zone. How? In your mind. In your mind. Your spirit is still there, but in your mind you get out of the blessing zone. You know, when I, when I was in school, fourth standard, I could look straight in the eyes of the teacher and, be, and my mind would be on the football ground. Right? I look at the teacher, I'll, I'll do this in between, but my mind is in the football ground, I'm playing football. Your spirit will always be in the blessing zone. But if the devil can deceive you from that blessing zone into the curses, even though your spirit is here, this is what you're going to experience. Am I making sense? So the Bible says, you're a new creation. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. You have to believe it. Every day you have to believe it. Every day. Why? Because the devil is wanting you not to experience the reality of that blessing zone. That you're supernaturally blessed. You're supernaturally recreated. And that you're supernaturally repositioned. You have been transplanted from a lower realm into a higher realm. You're seated with Jesus. Amen. So, I, I want to I wanna continue on teaching you how to fight the deception of the enemy. Okay? Because you're already blessed. The, all that the enemy has is deception. And I want to teach you some tools. Give you some tools so that you can beat him, eat him for breakfast every day. Got it? 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinthians. He's saying, I'm afraid 
I'm afraid that after all the work that God has done in your life, I'm afraid that somehow the devil will deceive you. Deceive you and lead your thoughts astray. From what? From a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. First of all, I want you to understand. When Eve got tempted by the devil, it just didn't happen out of the blue. That the serpent called Eve... And Eve was so stupid to go to the serpent and to hear all that he had to say and to fall, fall in for it. It happened over a period of time. That's what I want you to understand. For Eve to even obey what the serpent said, she was familiar with the voice of the serpent. Nothing happens in your life suddenly. Oh man, I was doing good. I was praying. I was giving. I was tithing. I was, you know, I was fasting. Everything was on fire. But suddenly I'm saying, nothing happens suddenly. It's over a period of time that your passion, your devotion for Jesus decreases. And then when the time is right, the devil attacks you. And then you're like, huh? How did this happen? You're taken by surprise. But you don't realize it began months ago. It began months ago. See, it's like this fan that is, you know, this fan that is running. If I switch off the fan, it will still run. It has been switched off, but it will still run for some time. Finally, when it comes to halt. That's what happens with our spiritual life when we are not devoted to Jesus every day. It's switched off, but on the outside, it looks like it's running. So you're like, yeah, it's okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, good. But you don't realize that it is moving towards moving towards the attack of the enemy. He waits. The devil is very clever. He waits till you are most vulnerable to attack. When did the devil come to Jesus? When he was hungry. So he sees the most vulnerable time of your life and that's when he attacks you. So he'll bring everything around you. He, he has studied you. He has a, you know, he has a, what's, what's the, he has a dossier. Huh? He has a, he's made a file on you. He has a file on you. Huh? That tells him of every pattern, of every failures that has happened in your life. So he knows how to bring those patterns so that he can move you into that level of failure again. He studied you. That is true. But here's the thing. I'm telling you, the devil does not have too many tricks. He has just a couple of them. So if you can learn, you can always overcome. Now what Paul is saying is, if you can keep your devotion to Jesus alive at all times... Just devotion. Be devoted to Jesus. Why, why should you be devoted to Jesus? Because being devoted to Jesus is the mirror image. Gives you a spiritual report of what is happening in your spirit. Let me explain. You're going through a psychological issue. Where you believe that your that you have kidney stones, okay? You're going through a psychological issue where you're believing that you have kidney stones. And because you're believing that you have kidney stones, you are also having that pain. You're always running, oh man, having that pain. So the doctor tells you, hey, you don't have kidney stones. Here's the report. 
you don't have kidney stone so the moment you see the report you feel relieved ah wow i love it man i don't have kidney stone but the next morning again because out of habit out of habit you start feeling the pain you're like oh man i have kidney stones but then your husband comes and say hey here's the report you don't have kidney stones and again you're like ha okay i don't have kidney stones yeah i'm free that is exactly how our spiritual life is the devil will try to disqualify you again and again saying you have this you have that you have been disqualified god does not love you his grace is not upon your life what what ridiculous choices you have made in your life you are stupid you are useless you are good for nothing but this this report that you see says that you are accepted you are chosen you are beloved you are forgiven you are sealed with the seal of the holy spirit so it is our devotion to jesus simple devotion to jesus that that becomes like a mirror of who we are in christ because the bible says just like he is so are we in in this world how is he is he sick is he sinful is he is he struggling with demonic oppression then you are exactly like jesus not when you get to heaven just like he is so are we right now right here in this world but you experience that every time you are devoted to jesus because you want to see him you know children imitate their parents children imitate their parents i i know somebody who saw their father shaving and they also began to shave even when the beard was not growing because we want to imitate our parents we want to do exactly like them so if you want to know who you are in jesus if you want to understand what the lord has done within you you have to see jesus always see jesus jesus he is not sick then how am i sick this is illegal i completely reject it and rebuke it in the name of jesus jesus he is not struggling with he is not struggling with a poverty mindset then how am i struggling with a poverty mindset i rebuke it in the name of jesus you understand this it's a devotion to jesus that tells us who we are because in our devotion we get to see who he is and who he is is who we are can i can i say this your transformation is dependent on how much you see jesus the more you see jesus the more you are transformed the more you see jesus the more you are transformed you become what you see you become what you see If you keep seeing your dog you'll act like the dog. <laughs> I'm just saying you become what you see. So behold him. Behold him. 2 Corinthians 3:18. Don't take the verse but write it down if you want to. 2 Corinthians 3:18 says as we behold him face to face we become like him moving from one degree of glory into another. a pure devotion to jesus pure devotion to jesus now can i say something when when i mean that we have to see jesus and and imitate his life i don't mean the jesus who was 
there 2,000 years ago and who did ministry for three and a half years. I'm not talking about that Jesus. I'll tell you why. Read with me 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Just the verse before 17, 5 or 16. From now on, what does it say? From now on means? Upset, from now on. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What does he mean? What is Paul meaning? Paul is saying, Jesus, who came 2,000 years ago, he defeated death. He was raised from the dead. His ministry was, his ministry was always successful. Glorious ministry, right? Everywhere he went, he healed the sick. The blind started seeing. The lame started walking. Glorious ministry. But that is not the degree of glory that you should be looking at. That's not the Jesus whom you should be looking at. Why? Because we used to regard him according to the flesh, but now we don't regard him according to the flesh. How many years did Jesus minister? How many years did Jesus minister? Three and a half years. Now tell me something. After Jesus died and he rose again, what happened? Where did he go? Jesus is with the Father. He is seated with the Father at the right hand of God, far above all power, all principalities, every authority, every name that is to be named. Now, what is greater? Three and a half years of Jesus' ministry on the earth is greater reference or Jesus seated on the throne far above all power, all principalities for 2,000 years ruling and reigning. Which one is the greater reference point? Am I, am I making sense to you? See, we, we, we see the Jesus in the Gospels and we want to imitate his life. That is great. But Paul is saying, there's, there's more. There's more. We don't regard him according to the flesh. We regard him according to where he's seated right now. He's seated right now far above every power, every rule, every principalities. That's his reality right now. If that's his reality, then that's your reality. You know, when, when we were young, we used to wear this wristband which said, what would, you, what would Jesus do? And when we would read that wristband, it, it basically meant if you did something wrong, just think about what would Jesus do in this situation. And I always thought, okay, let me see in the Gospels or let me see during the, Jesus, during the ministry of Jesus what he did. I'm telling you that reference point is lesser than the reference point that we have that Jesus seated, he's defeated death. He's defeated sin. He's defeated shame. And that Jesus is our reference point. That means in Jesus, you have defeated. Amen. Behold the right Jesus. Jesus is not somebody who is going to defeat sin and death. Jesus has already defeated sin and death. And when we are purely devoted to him, 
it begins to unravel the mystery that God has done in our lives. How many of you have received Jesus? You've received Jesus? Where is Jesus right now in your hearts? Now, does Jesus have the potential to overcome the entire cosmos? You're living in Delhi. Delhi is in India. India is in the world. The world is in the uh, solar system. The solar system is in Milky Way galaxy. Milky Way galaxy is in, you know, multiple universes, cosmos. That Jesus that is within you, does he have the power to overcome the entire cosmos? Then what makes you think that he cannot overcome your mind? What makes you think that he cannot overcome your heart? He can overcome these negative emotions. What makes you think that he cannot overcome this body of yours? Jesus is inside of you, is not just there to live in a two-star hotel. Jesus is inside of you to stretch himself. He wants to get out, to be revealed in and through you. This body is not enough to contain him. He can overpower this body. Hallelujah. Lord, understanding, oh Lord, bless us with understanding. Amen. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. And he only took Peter, James, and John. And while they were sleeping, Jesus had this, has this experience where he encounters Moses and Elijah. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets, the old covenant, right? And Peter, he awakes and, you know, in his sleep talking, he says something. He says, Lord, let's build three tents, you know, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And God responds to him from heaven, rebuking him, saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him only. What is he saying? When Jesus had an encounter with Moses and prophet, Moses and Elijah, Peter is awed by this experience. And he's like, let's build tents for them because they're all equal. And God the Father gets angry. They're not equal, guys. Listen to him. Because the old has passed away. Jesus is the new that has come. <laughs> You've far been hearing and been taught by your teacher Moses. Where the great teacher Jesus is here. Okay? The least in the kingdom is greater than Elijah. Did you know that? The least in the kingdom. The least. The infant, the baby in the kingdom is greater than Elijah. That's what Jesus said. And here Peter is like, let's, let's put them at the same level. God is like, no, listen to him. Listen to my son. Now, when Jesus comes out of that experience, his entire body is transfigured. Light shining out of his clothes. His body is like glazing, right? Shining. 
that word is transfiguration that jesus was transfigured on the mountain that same word you will find in romans 12 verse 2 where paul says but be transformed by the renewal of your mind what he what he's trying to say is when your mind is renewed your body can be transfigured that's the extent that we are talking about that jesus who is inside of you he's not just there to you know just cozy himself and up and sleep like he slept in the boat he's here inside of you so that he can possess your mind possess your thoughts possess your feelings possess your emotions and possess your body he's there to possess you completely completely yeah he's there to possess you completely so that you and him start living in this being forever and ever completely that's the gospel hey man i love it man i love this gospel gospel is good news so when jesus who is inside of you has possessed your thoughts has possessed your emotions and has started possessing your body what would you call it heaven that's what heaven is because just imagine with me if 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 we all die and we go to heaven without our thoughts and emotions being transformed we are sitting in heaven where peter welcomes us and yeah that's your house that's my house instantly you are jealous why because your heart and your emotion has not been transformed what's the point of being in heaven where your body is still earthly am i making sense so heaven is not just about a geographic change of location it is about jesus transforming you from inside out from inside out just but just imagine with me another another story just imagine with me that jesus has transformed everyone's hearts over here and we have no negative thoughts no jealousy no strife no envy no anger jesus transformed our hearts jesus transformed our thoughts completely and then when we all come together in fellowship huh nobody is thinking about putting somebody down why because our hearts has been transformed by jesus what would you call it i would call it heaven fellowship of saints becomes heaven when 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 a family when a mother and a father they come together in union saying oh we love each other so much not from a place of demand that oh i need love i need love so you love me no but from a place of supply that god has loved me so much so how can i love you today how can i serve you when that when that paradigm changes and the and the and the father and mother come together and they have a child and the child is born in an as atmosphere where love is not demanded from the child but the love is supplied from that child where is that child living in heaven am i making sense that's why jesus is inside of you to possess you completely to change your heart of stone into the, his heart of love the hardness will go once jesus possesses your heart he has a potential to he has the potential to 
If he can possess the entire cosmos, he can possess your heart, possess your thoughts. Amen? And that's what he wants to do. But the question is, do you give him permission? Do you give him permission? Because he is not a dictator who comes in like a bulldozer and let me do this. Oh. He, he's gentle. He loves your permission. Because whatever he does, he does in the atmosphere of intimacy. You, you, do you know something? You can receive Jesus and have jealousy all your life. Have jealousy all your life. I'm serious. You can receive Jesus and still be offended all your life. Somebody said something to somebody, you will take that and be like, that is also for me. Offense, offense. You can be offended. But if you allow him, allow him, give him permission, he can change your heart. Jealousy will no longer be there within you. Why? Because you're new. All all the old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Got it? Okay. So here's the strategy of the enemy. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The temptation to sin, how the devil will try to deceive you is use your flesh. And these are the three things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now what are these three things? The first one is desires of the flesh is food. Food. Why do you want your next promotion? You just want to eat good food. Desires of the flesh. Desires of the eyes. Greed. Cravings. Then what's the last one? Pride of life. Pride of life is pride. Now, desires of the flesh is, it comes from a place of lack, comes from a place of hunger. I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough with me. It comes from a place of lack and hunger. Desires of the eyes comes from a place of, I want more than enough. I want to have more. I got an iPhone, now I want this. Now I got this, now I want this. So that desires of the eyes is to satisfy your cravings. But see, look at the gateways. One is stomach, the other one is eyes. The third one, pride of life is, I am more than enough. I don't need anybody. I don't need family, I don't need friends, I don't need anybody. I'm more than enough. I can do this by myself. Where does it begin? Desires of the flesh is, I I need, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. It comes from a place of lack and hunger. Desires of the eyes is I want more than enough. And the pride of life is I am more than enough. Ooh. And you see these three things happening in the garden. What was the first thing that the devil did when he called Eve, when he was deceiving Eve? The first thing he asked is, hey, did God tell you that you can't eat any trees? Now, did God tell Eve not to eat from any tree? No, that's not true. God said, don't eat from one tree. There were millions of trees in the garden. From millions of trees, God asked them not to eat from one tree. But see what the devil is doing. He's saying, hey, did God tell you not to eat from any tree? What is he trying to do? He's trying to create a hunger. 
a lack that was not there. There was no lack in the, in the Garden of Eden, but he's creating a lack. Why? Because once you create a lack, there's a craving now. I don't have enough, so I want more than enough. Have you seen kids when you tell them don't do something specifically? That's exactly the thing that they'll do. Because you've created a lack. So devil is creating a lack. Hey, did God tell you not to eat from any tree? Why? So that the next time when Eve looks at the, at the fruit, she desires it. The Bible says she desired it. She, she desired, she craved for it. It looked beautiful to her eyes. To a point, the devil says, hey, do you know what? If you eat from this, you will become like God. Now, here's my thing. Were they already like God? Were they created in the image of God? But what did the devil mean when he said, you will become like him? He meant, you can become like him without having him in the picture. Because now you are like him. Because he's your father and you depend on him in this intimacy and relationship. You, you don't need that. Why do you need to depend on him? You can be more than enough, bro. You can be more than enough. So comes from a place of he creates lack. He creates lack in your life saying, you don't have enough. Your salary is less. Why do you tithe? Why do you give more? You didn't get this promotion. He creates a lack in your life. And now you are wanting to have more than enough to a point where you come to this place of pride. Yeah, I am more than enough. I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need friends. I don't need parents. Pride of life. These three strategies is what he uses together. Creates a lack that brings in lust of the flesh which invokes the lust of the eyes to crave for more and leading us into pride of life. And this is exactly the same thing he did with Jesus. What was the first temptation? When Jesus was hungry, he said, turn the stone into bread. Because he knew that Jesus is lacking right now. So he's using that hunger to his benefit. So he says, turn the stone into bread. The next temptation, what does he do? He takes Jesus to a high mountain and shows him the entire world, saying, I can give you all these kingdoms. Just worship me. He's, he's, he's working, he's, he's creating greed in Jesus' mind. Hey, you came for this only, right? Just worship me, I'll give it to you like this. Finally, he takes him to a high mountain and he says, you're more than enough, bro. You're the son of God, right? Jump from this. And let's see angels. What is he attacking? Pride. He's using pride. So he uses food, he uses greed, and he uses pride. These three things all together so much, it comes like a package. We don't even realize when it has happened. To fight against is your simple and pure devotion to Jesus. Simple and pure devotion. That's why in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about three things to do in secret. One, Praying in secret, giving in secret, fasting in secret. Why? Praying attacks pride. Giving attacks greed. Fasting attacks this hunger. And Jesus said, whatever you do in secret, God will reward publicly. 
will reward openly. Can I tell you this? Your secret life, your secret life is, will reflect in your public life. Meaning, how glorious your public life is, is the reflection of how rooted, how deep you are in intimacy with Jesus in your secret life. Your secret life matters. When a child is born, we see the child being born after nine months of the mom carrying the baby in secret. The child is being formed in secret. In fact, when the seed was deposited, it was also in secret. Intimacy happens in secret. In the secret bedroom, huh? in the closed doors of the bedroom, that's where intimacy happens between the father and the mother, a child is born, child is conceived. Most of it, the, most of the formation that happens is in the secret. Your secret life with Jesus matters. You want to go high? If you want to go high, you need to go deep. Because deep, nobody sees. High, everybody sees. When the tree is growing higher, everybody sees, oh, wow, what a big tree. But nobody sees the roots that are deeply gone within the earth. Your secret life, your secret life will reflect in your public, public life. So if you want your public life to be glorious, your secret life needs to be worked upon. When nobody sees, do you pray? When nobody sees, do you still give? When nobody sees, do you still fast? Not telling everybody, making a big deal, oh, you know what, I'm fasting. Yeah, that's why I'm feeling so tired, you know. Don't do that. Do it in secret. Give, pray, fast in secret. Why? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. When you pray, you behold Jesus. Cravings happens through the eyes. So when you close your eyes, whom are you seeing? Jesus. So you're changing the source from what this sees in the physical. You're changing the source to spiritual. Now you see Jesus. So your, your source has been changed. When you fast, when you fast, what are you doing? You're changing the source. You're saying, I don't, I don't depend on my energy. My energy is not dependent on the food that I eat. My energy is dependent on God's word. I'm changing my source. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you're changing your source. What happens when you give? Again, you're saying, finances is not my source. God is my source. So I will give. I will give. I will give. I will give more. That's why giving attacks greed. And praying attacks pride. And fasting attacks hunger. Amen. What you see is what you become. What you eat is what you become. What you put your confidence upon is what you become. So eat Jesus, see Jesus, put your confidence in Jesus. How do you see Jesus? Through prayer. How do you eat Jesus? By fasting and communion. How do you put your confidence in Jesus? By giving. By giving. Amen? Does that make sense? Yeah? So let nothing deceive you from your pure and simple devotion. It's pure and simple. It's nothing complicated. It's just pure and simple. Just ask yourself, how's your spiritual health today? How's your spiritual health? 
Did you spend enough time on the word? Did you spend time in prayer? Are you on fire for Jesus? If you're not, then that's your priority. That should be your priority. It doesn't matter how many meetings you have missed on the earth. Those meetings, they might miss, they might, you know, force you to miss the promotion. But I'm telling you that that time that you spend in the secret place, that will determine your glorious public life. So don't miss that. Prioritize. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Be devoted to Jesus. Be devoted to Jesus. That's why God said something about David. He is a man after my own heart. Because even though he sinned, he did the craziest things ever. He was devoted to God. Devoted. 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 So do you want to be set, set on fire for Jesus? Set on fire for Jesus. It's very simple, guys. You can only be devoted to him if you recognize that he's devoted to you. You can only love him to the extent that you know that he loves you. You can only worship him to the extent that you know that he is adored by you. It all begins with him. That's why when you are devoted to him, you begin to see, oh, I, I, want, I want to love Jesus today. So you go to that secret place thinking of loving Jesus, but you realize, oh man, Jesus loves me so much. Jesus loves me so much. He adores me so much. You know, I think it's, it's in, since 2012 that I started hearing God's voice more clearly. And every time I close my eyes to hear God's voice, the first thing that I hear is, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, just two weeks back, I told the Lord, Lord, I've been hearing the same thing for the last nine years. Now can you tell me something else? Can you at least spice it up? And you know what the Holy Spirit said? I'm saying the same thing because you don't believe it. You don't believe it. You might be wondering, why are you listening to the same message again and again? Because you don't believe it. You don't believe it. Can you just see the devoted father who loves you today? Can you see him? Can you see him? That he is not demanding love. You know, powerless people demand. Powerless people love me the way I need to be loved. Powerful people just love. They don't demand love. They supply love. They say, I choose to love you. Regardless, regardless of how you respond back to me, I choose to love you. God is a powerful person and he chooses to love you. Regardless, you are devoted to him or not. He'll choose to love you every day. That's why every time you just, you just make a choice, you just make a choice to be devoted to him, you will experience that intimacy coming back instantly. Instantly, it doesn't take time. Amen? Amen. God loves you. God loves you, my friends. He is madly in love with you. He is devoted to you. He has made a decision to, to be devoted in love with you. He loves you. He cares for you.